I mean, I looked at the thing too, and I'm not a math guy to begin with, mm -hmm. but I mean, this is ridiculously complicated to figure out. I think purposely so. They're saying like, well, you know, we'll give you a toll credit, but we're going to take it out of you in a larger toll structure for right. congestion pricing. So it's like, well, do you want you want the money to come out of your, your front pocket or you want your money to come out of your back pocket? With congestion pricing in New York City inching closer and closer to implementation, the recent release of the program's environmental assessment showed that drivers could soon be paying as much as $23 per day to enter Manhattan's central business district. Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance Senior Opinions Writer Tom Robleski to discuss the New York City's push to implement a congestion pricing program and how it will impact Staten Islanders. Thanks for joining me today, Tom. You know, it's been a very busy few weeks for transportation news with the speed cameras going 24-7, the Staten Island ferry service issues, and now the release of the congestion pricing environmental assessment. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk about this stuff with me since I'm the primary reporter on a lot of these stories and it'd be a little difficult for me to interview myself. I appreciate the invitation, uh, as always. Yeah, and these topics tend to be kind of right in your wheelhouse, right? Absolutely. It seems like it's the a, it's, it's, those three issues you mentioned, you're like bad news, bad news, bad news news exactly. for, uh, for Staten Islanders. Yeah, and it's the, the stuff that really gets the people going and, and riled up. So uh, I appreciate you having on to be kind of the voice of the people here while I try and remain, you know, unbiased and objective in all of this. I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, before we get started on kind of the specifics, I just wanted to give our listeners a brief overview of how congestion mm -hmm. pricing works, all that kind of stuff. So basically, drivers would be assessed a fee whenever they enter a highly trafficked area. In this case, that would be Manhattan Central Business District, which they have defined as any area south of 60th Street. So the money that they generate through the program is used to fund transit projects throughout the city. So ideally, this is going to reduce traffic by discouraging driving, and then it's going to improve mass transportation due to the influx of funding. So before we get into the specifics of the New York City plan, I'm curious, just kind of your thoughts on congestion pricing in general as an idea, as a concept. Well, what you just said there, kind of, there's some cognitive dissonance that you have to sort of embrace. You want to charge people to drive into the central business district. By the same token, you want fewer people driving into the central business district. So you either, you know, get the spoils of more of people driving in or you actually do convince people to stay home and then you don't get the revenue that you're expecting. Mm -hmm. And and we've seen in London, which is kind of like the poster child for congestion pricing around the world, the pollution benefits haven't been what they said it was. And one study that I saw showed that it didn't exactly reduce traffic in the central business district because people actually did leave their cars home, but there were more bus trips into the central business district mm -hmm. and there were more for hire car trips right. into, the, into the central business district. And now the, uh, the London mayor is trying to kind of, you know, you know, rejigger the program a little bit so that it actually achieves some of its goals, which I don't think it, it really has. Yeah, and you make an interesting point that you're kind of pulling at both ends of the rope there, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're saying you want less people here, but you're also collecting your fees from these people and you're right. using that for these projects. So if you do have less people, then are you getting the money you need? Or if you have more people, are you actually improving traffic? And so it, it really does. Uh, and, 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 if you, and if you don't have the revenue to create the, the additional uh, mass transit options, then when I want to get out of my car, where do I go? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, how far down the line do I have to wait? Six years, five, you know, before they start building subways and new cars. And never mind that we're not going to get the benefit of that. Right. In a major, I mean, I know we're going to get to that. So I don't I want to jump the gun on all this good stuff. No, absolutely. And, and we will get to this mm -hmm. uh, later. But, you know, uh, the money is going to go to all these MTA projects. But uh, we don't really see the, the benefits of too many of those too frequently. So let's get into kind of the, the history of congestion pricing efforts. So I know that New York City is just now kind of getting around to implementing this program. Right, but it's something that had been discussed for many years, kind of predating my time here as the right. transit reporter. So, I was curious, what can you tell us, kind of, about some of the past discussions surrounding congestion pricing under previous administrations? Well, well Mayor Bloomberg, who was again because of his his wealth, had well world experience, so he had these experiences of other countries that were trying to do this, and he wanted to do congestion pricing. And but I I remember one of his main points in his program was there would be the toll forgiveness for Staten Islanders. And that was kind of baked into the cake. Now, we thought it was crazy plan then as well. Like, yeah. you know, the, the history and then later you kind of realize it was maybe maybe it wouldn't have been so awful under that. I still think it's a big hump to get people over the fact that I got to pay tolls to, and I got to pay a toll to get into the into Manhattan so that they can have less traffic, but I may have more. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and then also, well, based on how long you stay and what part of the district you go into, there's right. all kinds of ways to slice the pie. But anyway, so Bloomberg's, you know, plan got defeated. It never, it never went anywhere. And I get, then the issue kind of dies down for a couple of years until Mayor de Blasio comes in and then in, and in the state and then it kind of gets, you know, regenerated with the, the new emphasis on, on, you know, greening, you know, the city and, mm -hmm. and again, Vision Zero, which is, if you want to call it anti-car, if you want to call it car gets, the motor vehicles get put sort of lower on the priority list in terms mm -hmm. of how we're going to manage the city. And I think so then congestion pricing starts to come back without that toll forgiveness. And I, don't, I still don't think we have that baked into the cake. Not for yet. the Verrazano. Yeah. And that's something we'll get to as yeah. well. But let's let's start digging into the uh, environmental assessment document, which was very dense. There's a lot of info in there, lots of different scenarios under consideration. But I think that the thing that jumps out the most to people is how much they could be charged, which is as much as $23 during peak travel hours, which is sounds crazy. But the report lays out these seven different tolling scenarios that are under consideration. And it's very complicated. And we'll get into some of the kind of nitty gritty aspects of it later. But essentially, the more caps and credits and exemptions that they offer to different vehicles, the higher the toll would be generally. So for peak hours, it could range anywhere from $9 to $23. Mm -hmm. For off peak, we're going from 7 to 17 and then overnight would be somewhere from 5 to $12. So what were your kind of initial thoughts when you saw those numbers? Well, my thought, and, and I, I kind of alluded to this already, is I think right now everybody seems to think, okay, you pass, the, you pass into the district at 60th Street, you're going to pay that toll. But it's, it's just as possible that you could say, okay, well, but you're going to Chinatown. Right now, Chinatown is really crowded right now. So if you want to go into that part of the district, you may even have to pay more for that. I think $23 for a, an automobile to go into Manhattan when you may not, when you may have to go. What if you have a medical treatment? Yeah. What if you're going to the hospital? What if your kids go into the hospital and you have to drive and there's no really kind of no other way you can get there if you're from Huguenot, you're from Anna, that we're going to, you're going to take a sick kid on, on mass transit. So I think that that's going to be very problematic for people. Again, without the toll forgiveness on, on the bridge or anything else. And don't forget, there's people taking the, the Brooklyn Bridge who are, the East River Bridges are not tolled. Right. And I remember when this sort of stuff kind of started bubbling up again, they were like, well, we're going to have people and we're going to get, we're going to get those East River Bridges tolled. There's support in the legislature for that. And I said, you give me the list of 
lawmakers, yeah. assembly members, and state senators who were going to go to their constituents and say, we want to charge you tolls on East River bridges to make it fair to Staten Islanders, and then I'll believe you. It never happened. Yeah, of course not, especially for things that have been untold for this long, right? right. To come to them now and say, right. okay, now you guys need to start paying for this thing that right. you've never had to pay for in the past, just right. so that on top of that, you can also pay this new congestion Correct. pricing fee. So Correct. that never really made a whole lot of sense to me. So let's talk about some of the, the caps and exemptions and how that could impact the toll pricing. So They've already announced that personal cars, motorcycles, and commercial vans are going to be capped at one toll per day. So they could only be tolled once per day for entering the the CBD. So that, I think, uh, is a good thing, right? There's these other for the truckers, especially, right? Yeah, yeah. Who may be going in and out multiple times? Well, so that's the thing. So for these other vehicles, like the taxis, the for hire vehicles, the trucks, and the buses, they could be charged multiple times a day, and it kind of depends on the different tolling scenario that they select here. So in the base scenario, there are no caps or exemptions for any of these other vehicle types, meaning they could be charged each and every time they enter the central business district. Those would obviously have the lowest tolls. Those are when you would have $9 for peak and and all that kind of stuff because they're able to charge these other vehicle types so many times a day that they can charge kind of a lower rate. But then in the other scenarios where they start to cap the number of times or exempt them altogether, if they say, okay, buses don't have to pay the fee, they're exempt. Or if they say, oh, well, taxis, they only have to pay it once a day or twice per day, right? Give them some relief. But then in that rate, in those situations, the toll rate is higher for everybody else because they have to recoup some of that Correct. lost revenue because Correct. they can't, if you can't charge the taxi six times a day, then you got to charge everyone a little more to kind of make up for that. What do you kind of think about that just as a concept? Should these other vehicle types be charged multiple times a day to kind of reduce the toll for the average driver? Or should there be some of these caps and exemptions in place, even though that that means drivers would end up paying a little more? Well, well two things. Number one, I think any commercial vehicle, whether it's an Uber, or a Lyft or a you know Peapod truck or whatever else, an Amazon truck, they're just going to pass that cost along. Right. You know, the, and, and people can choose to pay it or not. On top of that, and this is opinion time, and this is like my cynicism coming out, yeah. I do not believe that there will not be certain people who will have exemptions from these tolls. I'm talking about municipal workers. I'm talking about people, you know, I don't know, I don't want to mention any specific professions, but we know the people who get the free parking you know, the placards, uh, the placards yeah. and people who scrape their license plates. I cannot believe you're going to tell me that some guy is going to go. I'll just say, for example, I got to go back and forth to my firehouse. I'm going to get charged yeah. when people in the other when other firehouses aren't getting charged. If you're a police officer, if you're a, uh, a public school teacher, if you work in municipal government, you're telling me all the people who drive into City Hall from Queens, from the Bronx, from New Jersey, they're going to be paying that toll. I'll believe it when I see it. But I know how this kind of stuff works. And again, when Mayor de Blasio basically gave free parking placards to every de Department of Education employee, mm -hmm. while they're trying to eliminate traffic on the road, they gave out 50,000 free parking placards. Right. So, you, I mean, so I, I, I'm just looking at, I think the past is, is prelude to what's going to happen, what we're going to see. Yeah, absolutely. And there definitely is going to be a, a spirited debate, to say the least, over who is and isn't exempt from these tolls. Right. Come on. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. We'll be right back. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multi-part podcast about Sean Sinisey, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize winning reporter Sarah Ganim, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation 
where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. So the other aspect of it that has been talked about a lot is kind of the the idea of credits, which we've mentioned already. So that's also going to affect the toll prices. And so if they choose to offer these credits to drivers who have already paid for a bridge or a tunnel to enter Manhattan, like the caps and exemptions, the more credits they offer, the higher the toll rate's going to be, right? Because they have to recoup that Right. Uh, somewhere. So, you know, one point of contention locally, and you mentioned this too, is that the credits would only apply to the bridges and tunnels that directly connect you to Manhattan, but not the other ones that you'd have to cross along the way, like the Verrazano Narrows Bridge right. for us. I mean, everyone on Staten Island knows that if we're driving there, we pretty much that's our only choice, right? Unless you want to do the whole thing through Jersey and take the tunnel and then you're getting charged right. either take way. Take 78 so, and go through the right. Holland so Tunnel we, or whatever. You're not really accomplishing much there. But the I think the lack of the Verrazano credit has been a big thing for a lot of people. Nicole Maliotakis, our congresswoman, has been pushing for that to be included since really congestion pricing was floated again in 2018, 2019. So what do you just kind of think about this idea of the credits towards congestion pricing? Should they be given to people who have already paid these tolls at other crossings and and should that also extend to the Verrazano, given that it's really our only link to the rest of the city? Well, first of all, I think that the whole, as you're talking about these credits, I mean, I looked at the thing, too, and I'm not a math guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this is ridiculously complicated to figure out, I think purposely so. Right. I, I, and I think they're saying like, well, you know, we'll give you a, a toll credit, but we're going to take it out of you in a larger toll structure. Exactly. For congestion pricing. So it's like, well, do you want you want the money to come out of your, your front pocket or you want your money to come out of your back pocket? Mm-hmm. So to me, that's not really a choice. And to, to examine the Verrazano Bridge, which again is our, you, know, you want to get to Manhattan, you got to take the Verrazano Bridge and you got to take the tunnel, right? The battery tunnel, whatever they're calling it these mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Or you can you, you can take the BQ, I don't know what, but, or you can go through Jersey. So either way, you got to take two, you got to pay two tolls. Now we get reduced tolls and I understand people roll their eyes, you only pay $5, whatever. But think if, if they're going to give you the credit, then they're going to take the lollipop out of your mouth. Then I'm like, then what's, then what's the point? Yeah, you know, of, of, of even pretending that you're offering me something that's that's supposed to make me feel good about all this. On top of the fact that the subways and other places are going to get the direct benefit, and Staten Islanders don't get as much of a benefit of, of that as the other four boroughs. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's really six of one, half dozen of the other a lot of the times with these things, because like you said, it, it's a bit complicated. But for this scenario, for example, where they're offering the, they call it low crossing credits, and then there's other scenarios with high crossing credits. The low crossing credit, you would get a credit of up to like $6.50. But then the toll in during the peak time is $14, right? So you get the $6.50 credit, you're down to what, seven fifty for that? Whereas if there was just no credits in general in the base plan, you're at $9. So in this situation, the people who use the tunnels are, are getting that $6.50 credit and they're paying only seven fifty as opposed to $9, right? But then everybody else is paying $14 if right. they're not using the tunnels to make, they've got to make up for that. Exactly. So then you end up in this situation where, okay, everyone who uses the tunnels gets the credits, but if you go in any other way, then you're not getting the credits. So then all the traffic is going to divert to the tunnel because the people want to pay less and you're creating these other situations. I mean, it just really feels like there's going to be so many kind of cascading impacts on the just traffic patterns. You really, think? Because of, exactly. You think? Yeah, everybody, everybody's going to find the cheapest route for them. So the credits thing, while I think it's well-intentioned, has its own kind of group of problems with yeah. it as well. 
So, you know, now that we've gotten some of the sort of logistical stuff out of the way, I'm curious what type of concerns you have about the program in general and what you've heard from other Staten Islanders throughout the years about their opposition to congestion pricing. Well, well the big headline that jumped out at me from that report, and, and, and we covered it, was, as you were just alluding to, people are trying, you know, truckers are going to try to find the lead, the path of, of least cost. Mm -hmm. And they the report admits, well, you know, that could lead to more truck traffic on Staten Island and in the South Bronx. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I drive on the Staten Island Expressway on a regular basis. I see just over the weekend, trucks from Indiana, trucks from Quebec. You think the Staten Island Expressway can handle more trucks? So now I'm supposed to get, I'm supposed to pay to get into the city. And on top of that, I'm supposed, I'm going to get, I could get more truck traffic on Staten Island. Then they have this scenario G that they call it. This is all very, this is like chemical X, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that is going to reduce that. They're going, well, then we'll charge trucks and cars the same toll. And mm -hmm. that would, but I'm, my question to that was, okay, we know cars and trucks are told differently. Cars are lower generally. So are we all going to get the low car rate or are we all going to get the high right. truck rate? Right. Yeah. E either way, when, when you talk about that, it's like, okay, so I'm going to get more traffic on Staten Island. I'm going to have to pay to go into the city and the money that's going to get spent Unless they somehow decide to build a subway link to Staten Island, which you know, then I'll, then, right. I'll, then I'll forgive if everything that's, that's, that's ever been done. If that's how they're going to use the money, then. You know, or if, so whatever. So even if they build a cross harbor tunnel, we're not going to get the benefit of it. So it's like, so tell me again why I should not even be outright opposed to it. Why should I even be mildly enthusiastic about this? What, like, what's in it for me? Right. I don't see it. And they're going to put more people on the ferries. And as you alluded to before, we can't even run the ferries the way they are now. Even with COVID keeping people out of workplaces, then we're going to put more people on express buses when express buses are also having their problem. So tell me again why this is in any way good for Staten Island. Yeah. And that was actually led right into my next uh, question, which was kind of the impact on mass transit ridership, because the environmental assessment does say that they're expecting this to result in increased ridership on the ferry, increased ridership on the express buses. And as you've said, and I've reported over recent weeks, months, years at this point, these agencies have been struggling to provide full service on these things due to uh, you know a myriad of reasons, but mostly just staffing shortages and not having the amount of crew members to run the boats or bus drivers to drive the buses. That's been a big problem. It's been well documented. So if their idea is that more residents are going to shift to mass transit, how can we even trust these agencies to handle that influx of new riders? Well, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, the ferry again, we've been talking about this for weeks. When did it get so complicated to run the Staten Island Ferry? Yeah. You know, and, and, and the express buses. So if you, so if you, all these impacts, and again, is it a coincidence that the two least populous, smallest, least politically powerful boroughs could be getting this bad effect of having more, you know, I don't know how they feel in the Bronx about truck traffic on, you know, on their, on their highways. I know how we feel about it here yeah. because that should be our north-south route or whatever, but it's really a major commercial route for the entire east coast of the United States. Now you're telling me there's going to be, they, the people are going to be trying to, to miss the toll, they're going to come here. Never mind the people who are going to go park around the zone. That's going to be a problem a, for yeah. Manhattan and then, and then Jersey basically threatening a civil war if they get charged to cross over. Yeah. So I, I, And again, we're going to have these public hearings where it's going to be on Zoom. And don't forget all this, mass, all this mass transit problem is with people not going into the office. If we ever all go back in a year or two years, it's going to be even more. Then we're going to have these Zoom things. It's bad enough when the MTA comes and they kind of sit on the stage and just go, yeah. and they don't engage with you at all. They just go, it's just like, it's like speaking to an Easter Island statue. Now it's going to be on Zoom where you're going to be even more 
cut off from actually having a say, which I again I, I think is is, is not going to make people on Staten Island happy. Yeah, and that was uh, leading into my next question again. Now that the environmental assessment has been released, the MTA is starting this second public comment period, they're calling it, with these virtual hearings that are going to take place during the last week of the month. And so once that's done, the Federal Highway Administration will review the responses and the public input, and they'll either approve the program or they will require additional study and make the MTA come back with a full environmental impact statement, which is kind of the longer, more thorough version of the environmental assessment, which they had already done. And that's something that Nicole Maliotakis has really been calling for. She's been pushing the Buttigieg on that as well. And and really just, you know, this is going to be the first congestion pricing program in the country. So her thought process is you should study it pretty thoroughly, right? It would make sense to cross your T's and dot your I's on something when you've never done it before. So I'm curious, though, because we've seen in the past with some of these public input meetings, whether it be for DOT projects, MTA projects, any of this stuff, even if the community comes out against this, do we really think that they're going to delay the project by requiring further study? Or is this kind of one of those things where it's more of a formality before it just gets officially approved? Well, what do you think is going to happen with the Highland Boulevard bus lanes? Exactly bike that. Lanes? What do you think is going to happen with that? And, and interestingly, though, we would have had congestion pricing implemented a lot sooner if and even when Trump was president, there were problems and everybody kind of thought, well, it's just Trump, you know, hanging up New York. But it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was the fact you've had you got federal roads, which there's rules about tolling them. Yep. Oh, you didn't know that that road was a federal road that would, that you wanted to put a toll. You can't just decide to do that. Mm-hmm. And and now with all these environmental concerns, listen, I think it's going to happen. I think people and you know people are going to have to pay or not pay. I think it's it's kind of like with the speed cameras. What happens with them now in Chicago used to be the same as New York. Ten miles an hour over the speed limit, and you're going to get a ticket. Mm-hmm. I think it was last summer, or the summer before. Chicago cut it down to six miles an hour. So you can always cut you can always cut the pie into smaller and smaller pieces. Yep. And again, I, I I think if you have to go in, if you and if you stay for a long time in the congestion zone, you may have to pay more. That's an option, mm-hmm. right? If you go to a particularly congested part, like oh, everyone's going to the Ranger game, or everyone's going to a concert, you know, in Midtown, or the UN is in town. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, you want to drive, you know, you want to drive around there, or you want to drive downtown somewhere. It's really crowded. Everyone's trying to get out of town on and. Let's try it in other places, you know? This yeah. place is very congested. Uh, New York Lane in Richmond Avenue, uh, and, and uh, right. you know, New York Lane and uh, Highland Boulevard, I mean, very crowded, you know? Well, we should charge people to drive in there, too. Like you said, once you kind of get the program in place, it can be easy to, it can be easier to kind of adjust it as you go, right. and, and as opposed to, well, we didn't sell them on this being the case, but we sold them on this, and now that we have it, we can add a little more, and we can, you know, it starts with, 20 speed cameras and then we're up to 140 and now we're up to 2000 across the city and it was only during school hours and then it was okay maybe till 10 p.m and then it's 24 7 now and you could see the pattern here and there there is definitely a situation where we kind of end up uh, right there with congestion pricing, where this is what we're sold on, and then a few years later, oh well, it would be really more effective if we Correct. added this in, and it would be even better if we did that. And one last thing to touch on, you mentioned the the UN thing. There is a very small line in here in this document stating that the tolls will be higher on designated gridlock alert days, Same. and it's a little footnote it's in the bottom of the toll rate thing, and they don't even tell you how much 
higher it would be on those gridlock alert days. But that is something that they thought and, of. And, 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 like, and, and like with a school zone, then they can just change the definition of what a gridlock alert day is. Yeah. yeah gridlock alert day Next is, thing you know, they're issuing them every other day. You, you know, know, yeah. Like I said, there's, 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 there's a big basketball game at Madison Square Garden. Right. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a gridlock alert day. Or like all oh, the Verrazano Bridge, they're, they're paving. It's going to make a great gridlock alert day for the rest of the city. It's you know, and again, there's no such thing as a pilot program. When they tell you, oh, it's a pilot program, just you know, buckle in because it's going to be there forever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Tom. I really appreciate you coming on to Thanks. talk transportation with me as always. And anytime, uh, anytime. Hope to have you back on again soon. Anytime you ask, friend. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and visit silive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.